Welcome to Telling Future Generations, the radio ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship of Illinois. Now here's your host, Dr. Katrina Forseth, a missionary serving as state director of CEF of Illinois. Hi, and thank you for listening to Telling Future Generations. Question, what will God do to get his people's attention to depend ultimately upon him? What will God do to humble us before Almighty God to see that we have no one else to turn to so that our eyes are solely looking to Him? And what will God do to be glorified in our midst so that all praise, honor, and worship redounds to the glory of God? The answer is anything that God needs to do to accomplish His work of supreme dependence in our lives and the worship and praise of only Him, that is what God will do. The opening verses of Second Chronicles 20 is a preparation for the battle, a clarion call to war. But in reality, Second Chronicles, it was God's way to bring about a great revival among his people that would sweep across the land. In the last couple of radio programs, we looked at King Jehoshaphat, the southern king of Judah, how God raised him up and called Jehoshaphat to prepare God's people for a time of revival by first preparing his own heart to seek the Lord, by preparing his heart to walk in the ways of the Lord, and by preparing the people's hearts across the land of Judah and throughout all the cities to hear and know the word of the Lord. Twice, the Bible records that King Jehoshaphat had followed God's pattern of preparation for revival, and God blessed him roundabout and gave him and his kingdom a time of rest and renewal as a nation. But it appears from the background text in Second Chronicles 17 through 20 that all that had transpired beforehand to King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah was in reality a preparation for the battle because the great child that lay ahead that would come upon them as a nation was sovereignly ordained by the hand of the Lord. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 1, it sets a stage for the battle. It tells us the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and a great multitude of many others rose up and came against Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, to battle. Now, how big was this massive enemy army? Well, the scriptures in Second Chronicles actually do not say, but we know that King Jehoshaphat already had a standing army of over one million men. So whatever this enemy number was, King Jehoshaphat, he immediately knew that he had no human manpower or strength to combat the enemy, but rather he must look solely to the Lord. King Jehoshaphat's first response, his go-to was simple to pray to the Lord for deliverance. Second Chronicles 20 verse 5 and 6 says that Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none are able to withstand thee? What was Jehoshaphat doing here? He was reminding himself through prayer and as a declaration to the Lord of what he believed according to God's own word of who the Lord is. When you and I find ourselves in the midst of a battle, a time of personal or national shaking and distress, or even a great testing of our faith, our first response needs to be to go directly to the Lord in prayer and to stand on the truth found in God's word of who the Lord is. Charles Spurgeon, a 19th century English pastor, he's known as the Prince of Preachers, he said that the revival in God's word must go hand in hand. Spurgeon said, if we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the word of God. This is because we do not worship or know truths about God in a vacuum. God has revealed himself to us of who he is, where? 
in his word. So if our hearts are going to be revived in the knowledge and the faith and the trust and worship of the true and living God, our foundation that we must rest upon must be upon God's word. King Jehoshaphat not only went to the Lord in prayer by standing on the truth of God's word of who the Lord is, but also by standing on the truth of what the Lord has done and what the Lord has promised to do for his people. Earlier, back in Second Chronicles, in the earlier chapters, in chapter 6 through 7, when King Solomon, when he built the temple in Jerusalem and then dedicated it to the Lord, King Solomon, he exhorted the people by saying, if there ever came a time in their nation of famine or drought or plague or disease or disaster or a time of a threat of war, that he said, if God's people would come together in this place there in Jerusalem and pray and seek the Lord, that God promised to hear their prayer and to deliver his people. You know, Second Chronicles seven fourteen is one of my favorite revival verse promises that says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is not some hopium promise or hope so promise. King Jehoshaphat took this as God's absolute promise to him as a leader and as God's binding word of promise to the Lord's people for the nation. King Jehoshaphat, when confronted with fearful warmongering in the pending day of battle, he knew of only one thing to do, to go straight to the Lord and to pray for deliverance by standing on the truth of God's word of who the Lord is, what he has done, and what the Lord had promised to do. King Jehoshaphat's response to his nation's trial of shaking was not only to pray to the Lord for deliverance, but also to rest in the promised word of the Lord for deliverance that was spoken by the prophets of God. One of my favorite verses in Second Chronicles 20 is found in verses 12 and 13. The scene is a somber one. King Jehoshaphat is standing and crying out to the Lord on behalf of the people for deliverance. He proclaimed a fast throughout all the land, and the people gathered together from out of all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord and ask help from the Lord. Jehoshaphat cries out to the Lord, saying, God, will you not judge them, our enemies? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And then the Bible says that all of Judah, the men, their wives, and their children, those who are big and important, and those who are but little and small, rose to their feet and stood before the Lord, showing their absolute dependence on the Lord, and that they as a people, as a nation, were resting in the promised word of the Lord for deliverance. Years ago, I remember sharing with my pastor a prayer request, and he said something to me that I never forgot. He said, the Lord hears our short arrow prayers, our cries for help that go straight up to him. Often when all we can do is to look to the Lord and say, help, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes upon you, the Lord hears those arrow prayers, which are the cries of God's people showing their dependence upon him. You know, often as when God is in the midst of bringing about a great revival among his people and across the land, that God first breaks his people down in order to build them back up so that all of our hope and our trust rests upon him. But sometimes, though, that can be quite the painful process. I remember back in 2020, as I was praying to the Lord for a revival to sweep across our nation and for the hearts of God's people and our nation as a whole to return back to him. Not only in 2020 did our nation undergo a national shaking with the outbreak of COVID and crazy riots and the much-disputed, confusing election, but also there underwent a personal shaking in my own heart and life. You know, looking back, I realized I had no idea what I was really praying for until a pastor friend 
said these words. He says, you want a revival? Then pray for a revival, but let it begin with you. The church, God's people, and our nation, and the whole world is in great need of a heaven-sent, fiery, great gospel revival that will sweep across our land into the four corners of this earth. But great revivals do not come from nothing or start from nothing. They are often preceded with God stopping at nothing to shake his people to the core and to break down all the fake foundations in our heart and life so that there is nothing for us left to do but to stand in the presence of the Lord with our eyes fixed solely on him and say, Lord, we know not what to do as a people or as a nation, but our eyes are upon you. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 14 and 17, right after the whole nation of Judah humbled themselves and turned to the Lord alone for deliverance, God sent his people his promised word through the prophets. Jehazel, the son of a Levite, the Bible says, was filled with the Spirit of the Lord, and it came upon him and cried out, saying, Hearken, listen, ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The prophet said, Tomorrow when you go down, you shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, or prepare, position yourselves. Stand ye still, he said, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord your God will be with you. You know what strikes me about this text is that it reads like a mini Red Sea Exodus moment in the life of Israel. Just like when Israel's backs were up against an impassable Red Sea in an impossible situation, God stepped in and parted the Red Sea and delivered his people by a strong and mighty hand. Just as there was nothing for their Israelite forefathers to do in the midst of the battle, but to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, so here at this time in the nation of Judah, led by King Jehoshaphat, there was nothing for them to do in the midst of the battle, but to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, for the Lord God is with them. If you were King Jehoshaphat and you heard this promised word of the Lord for deliverance from God's sent prophet, what would you do? The Bible records that when King Jehoshaphat heard these words, he bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord face down and worshiped the Lord. You know, sometimes when the enemy comes in like a flood and knocks us off our feet, or we feel like a big unmovable mountain has just come out of nowhere and dropped on top of our head, knocking us to the ground, that there is nothing left for us to do. There is no fight or flight response remaining in us, but to turn to the Lord and bow our heart and head before him and to worship the Lord. But not only did King Jehoshaphat respond to the promised word of the Lord for deliverance by worshiping the Lord, but also by praising the Lord. In 2 Chronicles 20, verses 19 through 22, it tells us that the Levites, God's priests, his ordained servants, stood to their feet and led the people to praise the Lord with a loud, lifted voice on high. You know, there is a time for silent, humble worship, but also there is a time for a loud shout of praise that breaks forth from the Lord's people, for God loves to hear the sound of praise. But the people, the Levites and King Jehoshaphat, didn't stop there with just one time of praise. Early the next morning, the Bible records that just like the prophet had instructed, King Jehoshaphat gathered the people together and admonished them, saying, Hear me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, 
so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And then instead of arranging the people to prepare for war, to take up arms and prepare for battle like normal kings would do, King Jehoshaphat, instead he appointed singers and musicians with instruments to lead the people in an organized praise band to praise the Lord in the very midst of the battle. The scripture records it was at this very moment when the people began to sing and to praise the Lord for the beauty of the Lord's holiness, sing praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. It was there right then that God showed up and set ambushments, traps against all their enemies so that none escaped and all were slayed and smitten down. The Bible says not by the hand of Judah or King Jehoshaphat, but by the hand of one another as they turned upon and against each other so that none of the enemies that had risen up against God's people or against Jehoshaphat, were left standing. In other words, God did it. And all that God's people did before, during, and after that whole battle was to believe the Lord and to praise him. You know, years ago when I was a new state director, I found myself in a mini battle of my own. Looking back, I see now that, you know, it was not really all that serious of a situation, but at the time it felt like the walls were closing and caving in and I had nowhere to turn. And as things began to ratchet up and even intensify, a meeting by my board was called to bring about a resolution. And that very day before the meeting, which, by the way, I was deeply dreading, I remembered a song that I had learned in my younger years, maybe when I was a child, that was all about Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, praising the Lord in the midst of the battle. And those words, they began just to start coming to my mind. And I found myself started to hum and sing along. Then I realized that God was pricking my own heart to respond the same. It was as if God was saying, Katrina, all this has come about by my sovereign hand so that you would look to me and depend upon me in the midst of the battle and to believe me, trust in me, and I and I alone am your promised deliverer. You know, when that thought hit me, I stopped and dropped all my plans. I was composing a carefully read out script of what I was going to say that night, but I just stopped and I just began to praise and to worship the Lord. You know, I would love to say it was right then in the midst of my praise and worship time that the battle was won. But the meeting still had to happen, but it went way better than I ever could have possibly planned. It was like God showed up and knocked down all the obstacles, misunderstandings, and mistruths, and I just stood back and watched God do it. You know, there was really nothing left for me to do but to praise and to worship the Lord. You know, I wish every battle that we face as an individual, as a people, as a nation would be won so easily or end so well. But even when it's not, and the battle is long and drawn out and even fierce. We find ourselves growing weary. God wants us to remember that ultimately the battle is not ours. The battle is the Lord's. And that he is calling us as people in the midst of the battle to not only to pray to the Lord for deliverance, but to rest in the promised word of the Lord for deliverance. How? By fixing our eyes in dependence upon him and to lift up our heart and hands to the Lord and worship, praising him even in the very midst of the battle. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope you have a blessed week in the Lord as you and I together we learn to turn our eyes and to fix our eyes upon Him this day and to rest our hearts in Him and His promised word of the Lord because the battle is the Lord's. Thank you for joining us today for Telling Future Generations, the radio ministry of Child Evangelism Fellowship of Illinois. To learn how you can partner with Child Evangelism Fellowship to reach children in your community, please call 309-688-9699 or visit cefofillinois.com. Please join us again next week at the same time for Telling Future Generations.
tell me 